Welcome to the Living Life Well Show, the intersection of God's Word, today's science, and healthy living with common sense application, all based on the truth of the Word of God. I'm your host, Dr. John Skelton. Now let's get straight to the truth. All right, welcome back to episode 12, part two of the Living Life Well Show. Today we're going to be discussing implementation of fasting. And if you didn't get to listen to the last episode, pause right here, go back and listen to the last episode of the three types of fasting for who should and shouldn't fast and the benefits of each. So just a quick recap. Again, this isn't extensive. You cannot listen to the last episode and then implement fasting based solely on this episode because it's not comprehensive. So the three types of fasting, one is biblical fasting, two is intermittent fasting or food fasting, and three is dopamine fasting. For more details on what each of those constitute, go back and, like I said, listen to that last episode. Again, just a quick high-level overview of who shouldn't fast. Anybody that's on any kind of chronic treatment for a medical condition. Primarily what we think of here is any type of cardiac issue, be it high blood pressure, be it an arrhythmia, anything like that, you would want to be under the supervision of a physician. Definitely anybody that's a diabetic that's undergoing any sort of treatment, be it insulin, be it oral medications, we really want you to be under the supervision for a physician. We don't want you to suffer the effects of low blood sugar because you've implemented a healthy routine, but just haven't had the overall supervision that you need. Then, of course, any woman that's pregnant doesn't need to be fasting. Any woman that's nursing doesn't need to be fasting. Children don't need to fast, with the exception of very rare instances. And again, that would need to be under the supervision of a physician. Anyone that is undergoing active treatment for cancer, I don't recommend fasting. Or anyone that may be in a malnourished state doesn't need to un undergo fasting as well. And then finally, those that have a history of an eating disorder may not need to undergo fasting as well. So having said that, let's talk about intermittent fasting to start. And then we're going to talk about how we can implement all three together or take one or two of them and implement them together. So First of all, we're going to talk about the intermittent fasting. We're going to talk about this in two phases. One is intermittent fasting up to 24 hours, and then fasting over 24 hours up to three days or 72 hours. I never recommend going over that 72-hour mark at all, whether you have any known conditions or not, without the direct supervision of a physician. Now, Let's talk about some rules that apply to the up to 24 hours and over 24 hour mark. And then we will get into some specific rules with regards to over 24 hours. So first things first is we want you to educate yourself on what added sugar is or what the names for sugar are. You can do this by a simple Google search. Once you do this Google search and you've found you know, the 30 plus names for different varieties of sugar. And yes, this includes stevia and monk fruit and coconut sugar or date sugar, anything else, maple syrup, honey, all those things. Need to educate yourself on those 
And then you need to eliminate those for at least a week. Really, I recommend at least two weeks before starting a fasting regimen. Now, the best way to do this, and this goes with number two as well, is to look at the ingredient label. So the typical nutrition facts label will tell you about the calories, the serving size, breaks down your proteins, your carbohydrates, sugars, and fats. But that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is the paragraph under that's in fine print because that's where all the hidden ingredients are. And so that's where you want to look to know if there is any added sugar or a net quote sugar substitute and or artificial sugar substitute is in that product. Now, the other thing that you want to eliminate is you want to eliminate grains by and large. Grains or think of as carbs. So you're talking about anything on your bread aisle. Obviously, your pastries, those are generally going to have sugar with them as well. And then, of course, rice, really, and corn. Those all would be considered grains. Now, an easy way around the sugar aspect is to eat a whole food type diet. So anything that is a vegetable or fruit that's coming out of the produce section or any type of meat that you're getting in your butcher section, you keep that in the diet. If you want to keep dairy in the diet as well, absolutely keep dairy in the diet in the form of milk and or yogurts. And so you can do that. That would be primarily a whole foods diet. Then you don't really have to worry about reading labels. Vegetables typically don't come with labels when they're in their unadulterated, freshly picked forms. Now, why am I telling you to eliminate sugars and grains? Well, does anybody remember the Snickers commercial? And we still see it sometimes. And it talks about how you're not yourself, you know, when you're hungry. Well, that's what I call being hangry, right? So you're so hungry, you become angry, you, you have an altered attitude. That is primarily driven by secretion of insulin and changes in blood sugar. And we see that when we are eating a diet that is predominantly based in carbohydrates and or sugars. So eliminating the grains, eliminating the sugars is going to help alleviate that. In addition, what that's going to do is that's going to decrease some of the insulin resistance and make your body more sensitive to the insulin that it produces so that it is decreasing that level of insulin production so that when you are fasting, your sugars don't plummet so much. When you fast and you are feeling bad, typically it is going to be due to low blood sugar. That's going to be the number one issue that is going to cause you to feel poorly. So what we want you to do is go through a period of about two weeks where you're eliminating those sugar-containing foods and or grains from your diet so that you've already started decreasing your insulin resistance and increasing your insulin sensitivity to decrease your overall insulin secretion. Now. One of the ways that I like people to start is I like you to start low, go slow. So start with a 12-hour fast. So, you know, if you finish dinner at about 7 p.m., you're not eating or drinking anything that has any kind of calories or artificial sweeteners in it before 7 a.m. the next morning. We want you to cut all your foods out 
and all your calories, however you're consuming them, at least three hours before bed. If you're able to follow this plan, this 12-3 plan, you are going to see better sleep. You will see some decreased insulin resistance because of that, and you will see some gut healing. Now, for those of you that want to press on and go towards a 16-hour fast, that, again, you're going to move too slowly. You're going to start with that 12-hour fast, get used to that. I recommend everybody do, on average, a 12-hour fast virtually every single day. So you're going to eliminate those evening time snacks or drinks other than water or unsweetened decaf tea or unsweetened coffee that is decaf as well. We don't want the caffeine waking us up at night, disrupting our sleep cycle, increasing cortisols, affecting our blood sugars again. So we really want to stick to just water in the evenings as much as possible. So after we've done that, we've started low, we've gone slow. We want to add something in that is going to help us when we do get hungry because we are going to get hungry the closer that we're moving towards that 16 hours to then moving next to that 20 to 24 hour mark, we are going to have some hunger pangs. And so one of the ways to help us stay in that fasted state is to achieve a satiated state. So I've found that using apple cider vinegar is a great way to do that. Take a full tablespoon or 15 milliliters, add that to eight ounces of warm water and drink that. So if you are one that is noticing that you're having this waking up in the middle of the night hungry, then what I suggest that you do is do this two hours before bedtime. If you are pushing your fast, you're going towards that 16 hour mark, that 18, 20, 24 hour mark, do this in the morning and start your day out that way. You can also repeat it as you need to throughout the day. And that will also help to clear out the liver a bit as well. And so you're getting some satiating properties with it. You're also getting a little bit of a liver cleanse property with it. So it's a great way to help to maintain that fasted state. Now, the other thing that you want to do with fasting is once you're implementing this over 12 hours and doing this and incorporating it into your routine very regularly is you want to vary it, vary how often you're fasting and how long you're fasting. So maybe you are going to fast uh, 16 hours uh, most days uh, and then other days uh, you are going to eat normally. So there are five, two plans, two, five plans really depends on what you want to do. But the big key is you want to vary how long and how often you are fasting. What this does is this helps your body to stay out of a restrictive state and you continue to get all the benefits of fasting. So we want you to do that and vary that quite often and even vary your diet. Like we talked about, we want you to have uh, periods of celebration and feasting where you may uh, go outside the script a little bit, outside of uh, avoiding all the sugars and avoiding all grains. But we want you to vary that so that you can get the most benefit of fasting. Uh, and then you want to avoid excessive caffeine intake and you want to take in lots of water. So avoid all kind of energy drinks uh, and caffeine will act as a diuretic. 
as you are in a fasted state that is already essentially producing some natural diuresis. And so we want you to avoid doing that so that you don't get yourself dehydrated. Oh, and then finally, you always want to break your fast if you're having any adverse symptoms outside of hunger. If you're feeling weak, dizzy, you're feeling extreme tiredness, if you're having palpitations or headaches or nausea, anything like that, you want to break your fast. Now, how do we break the fast? We don't go straight to a buffet, okay? You want to break your fast very slowly. So you want to break your fast with good quality proteins and fruits and vegetables. Nuts are a good way to start. You've got some, a little bit of carbs in there. You've got some fats in there. So a handful of nuts is a good way to start. Start by breaking your fast that way and then wait 30 minutes, an hour, two hours, and then eat a small meal. Um, vegetables are a good way to, to break the fast as well. That's going to give you a little bit of carbs and or fruits are a good way to break the fast as well. That's what we want to do when we are getting into fasting and fasting up to 24 hours. Now, when we are going over 24 hours, there are a few special rules that we want to apply for that. Number one is I want you to add bone broth in every 24 hours. You may be losing a little bit of electrolytes in that fasted state. So we want to replace those. And a good way to replace that is with bone broth. Bone broth will give you those electrolytes, maybe even just a small bit of fat and help to satiate you, help to keep you hydrated and energized and moving forward. Then I also recommend that you're on a good multivitamin, a multivitamin that has vitamin C, vitamin D, and your B vitamins as well. Because as we're not taking in food and we're going on for extended period of times, we don't want those vitamin reserves to get depleted. All right. And then working out. When you are working out in a fasted state, that, that's great. Continue to work out. Don't necessarily change your regimen. I wouldn't increase the intensity necessarily, but the biggest issue when you're working out in a fasted state is listen to your body. If you're feeling a little weaker, don't go quite as hard. Don't plan an entire new workout while you're fasting. You don't need to be implementing a new workout regimen in a fasted state for the first time. You don't know how your body's going to respond to it in a non-fasted state. So you don't necessarily want to start that right away. Um, and then when you are working out in a fasted state, then I recommend that you also add in a good protein powder, a little low calorie protein powder, something that doesn't have any kind of added or artificial sugars in it. And that is very low calorie and really amino acid based. And so that's going to help support your muscle repair and building as you continue to work out in that fasted state. And then most importantly, like we said, in the shorter time period when you're breaking a fast, that's even more important when you've gone over 24 hours. When you're in that 24-hour to 72-hour mark, you really want to be very intentional about what you're eating as you come out of that. Eating a bag of Funyuns isn't a great idea. Eating little Debbie's Hostess cupcakes isn't a good idea coming out of a fast. 
And so we want to make sure that you start with a very small meal, work your way up over an hour or two. Sometimes doing this with a smoothie is a good idea with a little protein powder in it. That would be a good way to break your fast. Let that sit around for an hour or so. And then if you want to move on to, you know, a regular meal, go ahead at that point. So now, number one, you want to eliminate the sugars and the grains as much as possible. You want to start low, go slow. This is for the entirety of the fast. You want to use apple cider vinegar as much as possible to help to satiate you. You want to vary how often and how long you're fasting. And then you really want to avoid any kind of excessive caffeine or energy drinks. If you're over 24 hours, you want to add in that bone broth at every 24-hour interval. You can also do it as often as every 12 hours. You want to take a great multivitamin. And then you want to pay attention to your workouts. And so if you're over 24 hours, then I do recommend adding in a very low-calorie, primarily amino-based protein shake, either pre-workout or post-workout and or potentially both. And then break the fast in a smart controlled way. Now, how to get the most out of your fasting. So I have a lot of clients that come to me that say, you know, I have tried different diets, different workouts, and I am just never able to lose weight. I don't really recommend you start with fasting. I recommend you start with testing. I recommend that we really see what's going on with those thyroid and hormones prior to really starting in. If you know that you already have an issue with your thyroid and your on thyroid replacement and or you have issues with hormones and your on hormones hormone replacement of some sort i recommend that we really test and make sure that is optimized prior to going into fat at the live life well show we want you to truly live life well to that end we have a special limited time offer exclusively for our podcast listeners we are offering our 90 days to begin living life well course and membership to you for just 75 dollars a month the 90 Days to Begin Living Life Well course takes you through weekly email and video instructions, as well as weekly assessments in all three areas of health, body, mind, and spirit. We also provide Konia, our community of like-minded people all on their own journey to living life well. In Konia, you and I will interact through regular Q&As as well as with special guests and content exclusive to the Konia community. In addition, you will have the opportunity for one-on-one -on -one coaching with me and my team. If this appeals to you, scan the QR code so you can get started living life well. Now, what is the best schedule for fasting? It appears currently that the best schedule is to eat up till around 2 or 3 in the afternoon and start the fast at that point. And that allows the gut to heal it allows you to have energy for the day when you start your day. Now, downsides of that, you know, most of us are at work and those things during the day. And so we don't necessarily get to see or, or eat with our family until the evening times. And so, you know, you can vary when you start your fast. And so if you want to eat up until dinner time and, and skip breakfast and do that, you can do that. What I recommend is that you really listen to your body, though. If you realize that, you know, hey, if I don't eat breakfast, I am just sluggish throughout the day, then 
make sure you're eating breakfast and, and start your fast, you know, in the afternoon. If, you know, breakfast isn't a big deal to you and eating that, that dinnertime meal is much more important, then absolutely, let's do that. So we really want to eat the way in which you feel best. Now, women tend to, in general, get more benefit out of eating breakfast than skipping breakfast. So again, it just really depends on what your individual needs are. But in general, fasting starting in the afternoon, having eating breakfast, having eaten up until 2 to 3 p.m. in the afternoon appears to be best when you're trying to institute some sort of fasting regimen. So in keeping with the theme of incorporating our other two methods of fasting, I really want you to focus on community and, and people. So if you're doing fasting that is less than 24 hours or, or 16 hours or less, Really, I encourage you to do it in such a way so that you're not eliminating interaction with family or your community, people that are close to you, that are really uplifting you, because that is important for your overall health as well, not just eliminating food. So let's talk about incorporating biblical fasting into our intermittent fasting. So a few ways to do this, and they just seem, you know, very kind of self-explanatory and, and maybe even obvious, but let's just go ahead and review that here. So a great way to help with intermittent fasting and hunger is during your meal times, especially if you're at work and you have a, a break, go outside, move around, walk, sit, just enjoy the outdoors as much as possible. Get sunlight into your eyes. Practice a time of gratitude during this and do this really every day, whether it's a day in which you're fasting or not. But really try and focus on that aspect during this time of fasting as well. You can pray during the, the meal times. Pray for uh, family, friends, direction, those things. Use that time for, for Bible study, read a Bible commentary, or just quiet the noise. Just sit quietly and listen. And so you can incorporate biblical fasting into your intermittent fasting if you like as well. And those would be a couple of ways to do that. Of course, also recognizing, you know, what you need to fast from a dopamine standpoint is uh, very important. And so I recommend when you're doing intermittent fasting, look at where you're spending your time each day. Once you've kind of figured that out, incorporate maybe fasting from one or two of those things. I don't recommend uh, fasting from a lot of different things uh, at once. Um, just like in our 90 Days to Begin Living Life Well program, I don't recommend that people make all the eliminations in one day. I think that is very difficult. You're less likely to be successful. We want to take small steps moving forward to the ultimate goal as opposed to going scorched earth. So if you realize that you're watching too much TV, maybe it's not that you eliminate all TV, but you eliminate a certain category. So if you're watching tons of cable news, eliminate watching the cable news and replace that with something else. If you're incorporating all three, you could replace that with a renewal of your mind by maybe some scriptures or something like that. 
Um, and then what you really want to do is you want to really be quiet and listen to your body as you're going through this dopamine fasting. Was that elimination bringing up my mood? Was that elimination making me feel better? Did I have more energy? Was my sleep improved? How was my digestion? And those are going to be questions that you will kind of ask yourself as you determine whether you need to continue to have that eliminated and essentially make that a permanent fast from potentially that activity or that relationship. Um, and that will help guide you as you kind of go along. So really, you want to take the idea of recognition with you into your fasting. And then finally, for success with fasting, whether it be the, the biblical fasting, whether it's the dopamine fasting, and definitely the, the intermittent fasting, please don't go into it with a lot of preconceived notions, ideas that are going to tell you, oh, this is going to be so difficult, or oh, this is going to be so easy, or I can jump straight ahead all the way to a two-day fast. I don't need to stepwise. Please do it in a stepwise fashion. Just notice, kind of record what's going on, be it just a you know little note to yourself on the notes app on your phone, or if you journal, doing it that way. But don't worry about making it to whatever goal you have put on there, be it a period of time, be it a number of days or anything like that. Just take it low, go slow. And try not to put any predetermined expectations on the outcomes. I hope this has been beneficial for you. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you have, and if you want more information, you can always go to livelifewellclinic.com. If you're ready to jump in, you can also uh, jump in with us on our 90 days to begin a living life well program. And I hope to see you soon. And thanks and God bless. That's it for this episode of the Living Life Well Show. If you like what you've heard and want to learn more or want to know how to put this into practice for yourself, go to livelifewellclinic.com. Until next time, this is Dr. John Skelton saying go out and live the truth so you can live life well. The preceding is for entertainment and educational purposes only. It is not meant to be used to prevent diagnose, treat, or cure any condition. The information contained in this show does not substitute the need for a qualified medical professional, nor is it meant to provide medical advice or services. If you feel information presented in this show may apply to you, we recommend you seek out the help of a qualified medical professional who can evaluate and treat your specific concerns.